improve their communication skills so they can help more people and help people more. I'm your host Dr Martin Harvey. I'm a chiropractor and I'm an expert in communicating the value of chiropractic. Today on the podcast you are going to hear from Dr Scott Walters who is a great chiropractor here in Australia and he's been in practice for a long time. has a really interesting story because a lot of people that we hear from who have managed to build successful practices, kind of come out of the gates and are instantly successful. Whereas Scott's very much one of those people who, in his own words, floundered early in practice and really didn't know how to go about getting momentum, getting traction in terms of growing his practice, and then really found a path forward and then has put a lot of structure in. He's got postgraduate qualifications in business He's also been in a small country community, I guess a medium-sized country community. And so there's a lot we can learn from Scott about how we can grow our reputation because country practices in some ways are fabulous, but if you do the wrong thing by anybody, it's pretty difficult to get away from. So lots we can learn from Scott in terms of how, if, if you are struggling in practice, what you can do to get some momentum and also how to do that in a way that's going to be a long-term growth strategy rather than kind of short-term transactional stuff. Bit of housekeeping, Retention Recipe 2.0 will be opening for registration in the next couple of days. So if you're on my mailing list, you will be the first to know and there will be early bird prices and some bonuses for the people who get on it early. So if you're not on the mailing list, now is probably a t- the best time to go to insideoutpractices.com. Put your email in there. I won't spam you, but I will let you know when things are launched. I'll also be at the Kids Summit, September 10th and 11th, which is very, very soon. Going to be a great program there. You can attend in person, which I think is going to be fabulous. It'll be great to see you there. If you are outside of Australia, you can also sign up to do it as an online program. Links are in the show notes. So if you go there and use, there will be a link. And if you use my initials with the code 100, you can save $100 on your registration. I will also be doing the Communication to Improve Patient Care Workshop one more time in partnership with the UCA. So it's November 21st and 24th in the evening UK time, pretty early morning Australia time. I can't even actually work out to do the maths when it is in the US, but you can do that live. And if you do so, do it live, it will help to satisfy the GCC direction to do learning with others regarding communication. If you are outside of the UK, then the recordings will suffice. So uh, check out the link in the show notes if you want to get that program. It's really about big strategies that will help you do a better job of helping the people in your practice in a way that's ethical and um, client or person-centered. So Scott is going to share his journey in chiropractic and also some really interesting insights in what it takes to go from floundering to flourishing. So please welcome Dr. Scott Walters. Hey Scott, great to see you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks so much for joining us. I've been looking forward to this one. I feel like uh, you've got a really interesting background and a uh, really valuable perspective around chiropractic as well as the kind of the business of chiropractic or the balancing of that people side with the necessity to maintain a business. So I'm really looking for, I've always learned a lot whenever we've had a chat. So I'm super keen to share your wisdom with the under the influence audience. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Now, before we get to that though, probably the most important question, what sort of coffee are you under the influence of these days? Uh, Well, some days it's just whatever's got caffeine in it. Um, Mostly uh, if we've just had a coffee van open literally across the road from our practice. So I've been using them a fair bit because I'd like them to stay. Uh, That's normally a latte. Uh, but if I'm making it at home, my machine probably is best making smaller coffees. So I use a piccolo. Piccolo, did you say? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, the king, the king of coffees. So I always, uh, you've been my reliable guide to coffee whenever I've been through Albury. So, you know, for those people who don't know you, um, Scott practices in Albury, which is a border town on the border between Victoria and New South Wales. You're on the New South Wales side, but... There were a number, it's a common place to drive near, at least. You used to have to drive through going between Melbourne and Sydney or Melbourne and Canberra. And I had a, a number of years where there were uh, kids' sport tournaments in Canberra and I was going through Albury and I could always rely on you to give me the down low on who was providing excellent quality coffee in Albury. You'll be very disappointed to know. Remember that coffee van that looked shady as hell but made yeah. really good coffee? Yes, just decided to develop that um, that service station, so they're no longer there at the moment. Oh no, they were excellent. They, they were really, very, really good. There's a couple of other cafes now, so if you come back through, we'll find some new spots for you. We'll have to test a few out. Excellent. Sounds like a, a nice weekend project. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, I know that you've got a number of different sort of ways that you uh, interact with the profession and the people in it. You've been in uh, well, full-time as far as full-time practice goes for chiropractors in Albury and have been for a number of years. And you're also doing some, I guess, sort of coaching. Um, so tell us, what's the influence that you're trying to have? Um, well, originally... I guess if we backtrack, my backstory is a little different. Where you see a lot of the chiros that you've had on on this podcast are amazing and I'm in awe of, but they pretty much came out the gate very strong. You know, they came out, they were successful, they built great practices, they helped lots of people. I probably wasn't like that. I came out of the gate and just faltered for better part of eight or nine years where my practice was quite small. We were financially unbelievably stressed. Um, we weren't particularly busy. We weren't helping a lot of people. Uh, and I, I got a bit of good influence from some great chiros at that stage and, and some people really helped me. But uh, it wasn't until I was in practice for maybe eight or nine or 10 years before I really took it a bit more seriously, got pretty serious about it. And our practice grew quite a bit. You know, we went from... 70, 80 a week to 300 a week in under a year. Um, wow. On from there quite a bit. And at that stage, a lot of what I was doing was really quite honestly just to prove to myself that I could, to help my own self-worth. And 
you know, it was really, I guess you'd call them ego-based goals. I mean, I was still focused mostly on the person in front of me, but the reason we were growing was because I kind of felt like I was failing and I wanted to yeah. not feel like that. Once I'd done that for a while, um, you know, with a lot of help, obviously, then um, I was lucky enough that one of my best friends, David Hendry, uh, had a coaching business and he he approached me to help a little bit, which was great. Um and then I guess it was five, maybe six years ago, I, I met Adam McKenzie, who, you know, I know you've had on this, this yep. podcast and his vision for what he wanted to do with those kids, with the newer grads, you know, he specifically wanted to hire mostly younger Kairos that really didn't have much of a clue and needed a little bit of help. And I guess that's where most of my influence in the profession now is, not all of it. We, I still help other people and do other things, but mostly it's how can I help this group of young Kairos who are really keen to be the next level of leaders in our profession? How can I help them maybe avoid some of the pitfalls that I had and potentially maybe just give them some of the 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 bigger picture that we've you know people like you and I have, have been around long enough to be able to see and see if that can help them. So that's kind of where I'm at mostly now um still do some one-on-one coaching still do some stuff with other other practices other than viral life practices but i think the biggest thing is how can i leave somewhat of a a legacy of things that maybe i wish i had have known yeah so i know it's probably beyond the scope of a of a podcast, but I imagine when you look at the listenership of Under the Influence, and there are a lot of people who are early career chiropractors who are listening, who wherever they are in that journey would love to know, you know, what's the fast track or what are the, what would you say are sort of key things or key perspectives or key things that you need to go through or understand to be able to make that transition from floundering to flourishing? Uh, it's a great question, and I don't know. I mean, you and I both know this. There is no one thing, but if there was a few little bits and pieces, I think the first one would be being, you know, just really in love with what you're doing, really in love with chiropractic, really clear on how you perceive it. You know, those as we know that there's a there's a ground. There's a grounding of the philosophy of chiropractic that's probably always going to be a little bit different to, say, medicine or physio or massage. But how you build on top of that is very different from one practitioner to another. You know, one chiro to another is going to go, I'm really philosophically sound and I do a heap of, you know, network, for example, not knocking it, great stuff. Or I might do SOT or I might do CBP and all of you could still be in that grounding of, you know, that bubble of what chiropractic is. But I think a lot of chiros, when they first come out, they have a basic understanding of what makes us different and what makes us unique and what makes us so valuable, but maybe can't explain it and maybe can't define it very clearly yet because they've, they haven't spent as much time on that. I think if, you're, if you genuinely are, and I use the word in love with this because um, I think if you're in love, you become that slightly you know, you become more focused on it. You become more interested in it. You become more comfortable with spending a heap of time on it. And if you do that, I think that that clarity and that understanding makes a massive difference in your practice. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's and interesting. Think, oh, go on, sorry. Yeah, and I think the other thing is just get okay with work, you know, just yeah. doing stuff and seeing how it works, being okay with failing at things and trying again, I think are incredibly vital if you want to grow. It's interesting you talk about it there. I, uh, one of my programs is um, the Certainty Workshop, which mm. <clears throat> essentially looks at things from a similar perspective, that first of all, we've got to get really kind of clear on whatever philosophy is and then sort of define that. And then in defining that, you then next level above that, look at sort of from a paradigm perspective, how are you applying it in the context of your models of subluxation and your clinical rules? What are you taking care of and what, you, what don't you take care of? And then having a simple way of translating that into the way that you communicate it and how you know that you've delivered on the promise. And if you have those things in place, then it tends to create the a lot of certainty. So I find it interesting that you and I are sort of talking from exactly the same process perspective. The other thing that I found really interesting in what you were talking about is that sort of twin things of falling in love and uh, falling in love with what you're doing and also being willing to work at it. And I think there's, I can't remember who said it, but it was one of those things where I often feel like people early on in chiropractic, that idea of uh, you know, I should naturally feel passionate about it. And if I don't naturally feel passionate about it, I should be out searching for what I naturally feel passionate about. Whereas I think um, that there's ideas in books like So Good They Can't Ignore You that we actually become more passionate by getting really good at something, that there's a certain reward in mastery. And in a way, um, you know, there's only a very small number of people who are going to be naturally talented enough to be world-class world and earn an income doing stuff like, you know, surfing or football or the things that, you know, the rest of us have to have as games that we play. But we can, you know, by looking at love almost like a verb, I'm going to love this by paying attention to it, by investing in it, but that you then almost loop back around to having a whole lot more enjoyment in it by immersing yourself in it. Absolutely. And look, whatever we feed grows. If we feed our focus and intention and, and affection upon, you know, a partner or a dog or our practice, they're all going to grow commensurate to how much energy you put into it. And it's, I'm, I'm sure you've either come across or listened to or read his books, Jocko Willink. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he, he has a really big thing about, you know, motivation is always going to be fleeting. If you're waiting to be excited to go into practice, to go into practice, it'll happen sometimes. Yeah. But if you get disciplined about your attention and focus and, and growth on that, you'll grow to love it. And then your motivation becomes more regular. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I'm sure my wife would say this about me. She loves me always. She doesn't always like me, but we make <laughs> hang out together and figure stuff out. And it's been, you know, it's been more rewarding and more wonderful than anything else I've ever done, but it's also been harder. Yeah. And I think we, in our society, unfortunately, have started to grow into this work is a dirty word. And I, I just never grew up that way. Yeah. You know, I, just, yeah. I, I had a father who, loved to work he would love to have that strive and struggle and to achieve things because of the hard work not because it was just lucky yeah so i think that's yeah, interesting sorry no that's good that's interesting you say that because i think part of the reason for me 
starting the podcast was that I can um, wanted to have something that went against a lot of the trend in the culture and as part of the culture of chiropractic this idea that there's five quick hacks to double your practice in 60 days and this sort of outside in and um, valuing fast over quality and those sort of things and I think what you're speaking to is this idea that uh, work is necessary but struggle isn't you can you can work smart there's no alternative to actually doing the work though there isn't this magic nomad lifestyle where you just turn up and there's a 300 a week practice that you that just lands in your lap because you know the three hacks yes i i can't it's one of the things that i see most consistently with newer grads is that they and look i think i had a bit of that when i came out you came out not long before me yeah but I came out thinking, I know all this stuff. I'm going to be really good if I just show up somewhere. I'm going to be busy. It didn't take long to figure out that wasn't the case. Yeah. But we also didn't have people uh, projecting that upon, you know, social medias and internets. We just didn't have it. Which yeah. Our struggle was our struggle and nobody else really saw it or no, and nobody else made us feel like we were failing just because of our struggle. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, true. It is hard for young people to, to, you know, they see this stuff exactly like you said. We'll show you the three top tips, and tomorrow you'll be seeing a thousand. It's just not real. I've, I've yeah. never found it to be something that happens. Um, but I have seen that almost anyone, if they put in the right effort with a little bit of guidance and a little bit of attention and focus and heading in a in a one single singular direction. Almost everyone can build a pretty amazing practice if that's what they want to do. So from what you've said, then it sounds like if if I'm if we're talking to an audience, and I think your coaching is at a point that you're not really taking on new clients at not the many. moment. A few, but not many. Yeah. Yeah. So if we were then looking at you know the hundreds of people who are listening to this, if they were saying, look at this, it resonates with me, I realize that I I'll need to do the work and I'll need to examine my philosophy, I'll need to look at how that applies i'm willing to do that but how do i do it where is would you be saying look you need to the best the fast track is to get some coaching to get some help with that with somebody that's useful do you think there's value in just um you know going to observe chiropractors what would you be suggesting the steps should what should people be doing well i don't like to use this word very often but i think that a lot of people just need to get a bit obsessive about their practice for a while or their career, or their even just their core values. You know, if you if you're not clear on those things, just do anything that's going to work. Now, yeah. um, I think we live in an amazing world where there's more opportunity. For example, um, you know, the program you were just talking about before, yeah. online as well as face to face. Yeah. So they've got access to it any and everywhere. Yeah, and if you if if you're not sure on those things, just use them. I mean, I've never, ever bought, went to a seminar, bought a program, bought a book, where I haven't got something out of it, something yeah. well beyond its its value within what it cost me. Yeah. Um, but that's because I was pretty obsessive about what I was doing. It's like I want to find every little tip, trick, and answer. Yeah. If there was a simple solution, I think everyone would be doing it. And I don't know that it's, every, it's a one-size-fits-all. Some people, I watch them and go, they're just going to figure this out. They're just so driven that they're going to 
push their way through until they figure out what's going on. Others definitely need some help in regards to, you know, someone to hold the hand, mentors, coaches, whatever it happens to be. And every chiropractor, I think, should take the opportunity to go and see other practices as often as they possibly can. Yeah. Something I still try and do as often as I can. Yeah. And, you know, it sounds, I'm sounding like a bit of a boomer here, but there wasn't, there's not many practices I could walk into that are busier than I was. Yeah. yeah. Not as busy as I was these days, but there's not many. I'm still going to learn tons of stuff from any and every practice I walk into. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's probably less of this these days, which I think is a shame, where local chiropractors used to just figure out who was kind of like-minded and hang out with them a lot. Yeah. You know, I used to go to dinner or we'd go and have, I remember one of the turning points for the start of me changing my career was I, I got in a mastermind group with some amazing chiropractors, you know, David Hendry, Billy Chow, Mark Pearson Gills, Angus Pike. They were just great people that I learned tons from that held me accountable to a higher level of, of yeah. you know, just performance. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't seem to happen a great deal anymore, which is a bit of a shame. Um, yeah. But it's nice to see... It seems to be starting, certainly some of the people I know uh, that are you know, quite a bit younger than us seem to be starting to catch on to that being a fabulous idea. Yeah, and I think one of the things, like I think there is a tendency for, you know, when we talk about generational changes and those sort of things for people who are older to then look at younger generations and sort of look at what's different in a negative way. And I think I've had the privilege of having lot generations of chiropractic students work in my practice and one of the things that I would notice with this current generation who I, I guess are probably millennials primarily or uh, what's the one after that I forgot I can't ever remember oh, that. but they, they have a greater degree of flexibility uh, than any previous generation I think that that the lack of sort of rigid structure that they've been born into has helped them develop a, a skill set that they're very, very adaptable to change. They're not expecting things to always be the same. Mm. Having said that, I think that there's an opportunity for them to say, well, there were some things that, as well as the their adaptability and their ability to create community in virtual ways, there are some things that you get from old ways of creating community that that might translate into developing your skills better. So, you know, whether that's worth following up. Um, Couple of things that I specifically was hoping that you might share your perspective on is I know that in terms of that willingness to invest in uh, training and so on, that you actually went back and did a formal business uh, postgraduate um, certification degree, whatever. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of admire your willingness to already be successful, but then I guess sort of have that high standard of going back to doing that. What in terms of the degree of sophistication that people need to have if they're wanting to take it as a business more seriously? Where what would you say in there? Do they need? Should people go back and do a business program like you did, or what would you suggest? Um, that, in that, was, um, that was partially driven by because at that point, uh, so. I had my daughter, Matilda, quite late in life. We're about 38 or 39 or something. And at that point, 
you know, I'd kind of proven to myself what I wanted to do. In fact, you know, I just the ego part of it was fairly well satisfied at that stage. So I decided I definitely wanted to change our model a little bit, see fewer people because I wanted to cut my hours back. I didn't, you know, I wanted to be the dad that could read my daughter stories to sleep and do that sort of stuff. And we did okay at that, but I realized at that point I probably had a good grounding in a couple of ways of doing practice, but not a great business grounding. And secondly, I was I was already doing some coaching with Dave Henry at that time, and he convinced me it was a great idea. I did swear at him quite a bit. He can be quite persuasive, yeah. He can be, and I, I do remember in particular I had a, an accounting degree, accounting um, subject, and the major project was due. This guy must have been just not a nice guy. His deadline was Christmas Eve midnight. Oh. And um, I, I had a wife that was trying to put together, I think it was a trampoline at that point for a little girl and trying to keep her in bed asleep. And I I don't know how I'm still married, to be fair, but I am and that's all that matters. I don't think you need that level of sophistication at all. I think that that was pitched a fair bit above what most, you know, particularly single doc or dual doc, single, DC, single officers need. Um, yep. Probably what they could use is some really good marketing, social media, and and probably a basic accounting stuff, all of which you could do even just at like a TAFE level, much easier, much cheaper, much faster, and probably get the same feedback, the same yeah. the same result for your own individual practice. Got it. In retrospect, I'm super pleased I did it because being able to help and support you know, Adam McKenzie through the Cairo Life thing where they've got 40-odd officers, that level of sophistication probably wouldn't have been enough and the degree, yeah. the postgraduate degree I did was pretty good. Um, and I'm actually just umming and ahhing at the moment about enrolling in a, uh, a Masters of Leadership, Masters of Business mm-hmm. Leadership, just for the same sort of reason. There's so many people there and nobody's really got that sort of qualification, so that'll be helpful. Oh, very exciting times. It depends on if my lovely Cassandra lets me at the moment. You know, now, <laughs> now my young daughter is now you know, five foot 11 and a half and 14, and uh, she may need a little bit of help because 14 year old girls can be a bit challenging. Yes, yes. It's at a, times. <clears throat> interesting period, I've heard. Yes. Yeah, I, look, I can send it down to you for a while if you'd like the experience. It's all right. I'm enjoying not having teenagers anymore. I so, bet you uh, are. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so the the other thing that I I would really be interested in your perspective on is you've um, you practice in Albury, which I think is sort of like the perfect laboratory, really, for what you need to do for almost like a sustainable practice because there's I would see that there's lots of things that you can do that almost give you a false signal of working because if you're in a big city you can do shit that works short term but has pretty negative consequences long term because it pisses people off but you don't necessarily have the luxury of doing that in a small community that um, if you do stuff that that is centred around delivering a result to you, but not to the people that you're serving, then the, the place like Albury is big enough to you know get some momentum, but it, you'll get the feedback pretty quickly that you're being a bit of a dick. So I'm sort of interested in terms of you've been in practicing in Albury over a long time, and you've had a long history of successful practice there. 
what would you say are the key things that people should be aware of in terms of balancing? Yes, I want to grow and I want to do it in a way that is delivering great value to the people that I'm serving. What's the keys there? So if we backtrack to what we talked about right at the start, I still think that uh, like my my vision, my you know, if I got really once I got really clear on my philosophy or my or my vision or whatever you want to call it, that for me involved being in one place for a fairly long period of time. I'm 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 a pretty boring kind of guy in many ways. I like where I live. I like you know stability and and blah blah blah. So I wasn't going to. I, I had no interest in that sort of practice model where you boom and then potentially sell and move on or potentially put associates in or whatever that didn't interest me at all i wanted to build a sustainable long-term base of people in our practice that were going to serve me for years to come and um one of my biggest influences outside of chiropractic i guess is my father who um you know had a couple of very big businesses he actually won the telstra business of the year one year owning a, of all things, a scuba diving shop six hours from the ocean. <laughs> Most of it was commercial diving. We did commercial dive training and blah, blah, blah. But he also had four or 500 active scuba divers, like sport divers in Albury, which was, yeah. was kind of weird. And I remember him talking to me a lot and he said, just, he said, I know there's fancy ways of doing things and internet and blah, blah, blah. He's a bit old fashioned. But you're never ever going to go wrong serving the people like you they're your family, looking after them like they're important. It in chiropractic, we used to always talk about it as being present time consciousness. Yeah. But I guess as time's developed, it's probably not far removed from being mindful either. Just being yeah. mindful of the moment you're in with the person you're there and giving them what's best for them, not for you. And eventually that comes back. Yeah. And sometimes it bites you on the ass. And sometimes you get, you know, hurt and battled and problems with maybe just being too kind and too generous. But it's never served me poorly. And as an example, this morning we had, um, I had a guy that came in within my first six months in practice here in Albury, which is over 20 years ago now. Uh, He's since passed away, but his wife, his sister-in-law, his brother, their five kids, four grandkids and one great-grandkid all came in this morning <laughs> for over 20 years. Yeah. And I don't know that that happens unless you're giving value and service and just caring about them more than you care about yourself in that moment. That's an awesome perspective. Thank you. That's so. It. We, you mentioned your dad as being a, a non-chiropractic influence. Maybe if we can talk about who, first of all, sort of what influenced you to get involved in chiropractic. How, how did that happen? Um, originally, I, so I went to school here in Albury and uh, I was in, I was at school with um, a guy called, who's a chiropractor now up in Toowoomba and the, and the Sunshine Coast, Jason Ronan. Oh, yep. So I went to school with Jason he was always going to be, because his dad was a chiropractor. Yep. Um, and that was probably my first, you know, it was like I was at school, seemed like a great idea. We both applied at the same time we got in. I probably wouldn't have gotten in if it wasn't for him because I didn't know a lot at that point. But 
It turns out the guy that, remember, we used to have to do interview panels? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, the guy on the interview panel went to Palmer with Jason's dad. <laughs> that was like, well, and they just talked about Jason for 20 minutes and went, oh, okay, see you later. Um, through the course, we had you know, multiple great people. Our year and our era had a, had some really great cars. You know, we had Brian Kelly and Tony Croke and and uh, people like that the year above us. And then we had you know, Dave Hendridge and Caragianas, Bettina Tornatora. There's just some, you know, um, Malcolm Rudd. There's all these fabulous people who were in my year and around my year. Um, and that helped. And I'd have to say the biggest influence in through uni was, was probably Paul Finn. You know, he made a real effort to spend time with us and and he would come out and buy us breakfast once a week and just talk chiropractic and what it meant. He gave me a fair whack of my field work and he's still someone that I absolutely admire for doing exactly what I said. They find a community they like and then just stay there forever. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. And then when, you know, I, I, I was really like, when I left, I, I came back up here, did exactly what I tell students not to do, just took a job because I wanted to be in Albury. Yeah. I was lovely, but I really didn't learn much and it wasn't a good match for what I believed in my philosophy. Um, then I came back and worked with Don Cannon for a few years, which was yeah. an amazing experience, an incredible chiropractor. And then I bought that practice, the Hawthorne practice, Okay. And then when we decided we'd like to go back to Albury, I sold it and he bought it the next like I put it on the market and he bought it back the next day. <laughs> oh, I really liked Hawthorne. I don't want to sell it. All right, fair enough. Um, but at that time when I started to get quite serious, and the next biggest influence was uh, David Hendry. Yeah. You know, he was he was finished about the same time as me, but he was one of those guys that just went out of the barrel like a rocket and just yeah. became an amazing car of so fast. And um, I learned tons from him, and 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 then uh, when I moved back up here and took things a bit more seriously, there was a whole bunch. But the one I do have to mention at the moment is Adam McKenzie. Not, I mean, he's an incredible mind, an incredible entrepreneur, incredibly driven, big picture kind of dude. But also giving me the opportunity to work with these kids. And you were talking about, you know, some of us old cars going, oh, back in my day we did this. And I was definitely guilty of that. And I was actually probably a little pessimistic about the future of our profession in many ways. But once I've got to work with and get to know some of these younger Kairos, it's incredibly positive. It's incredibly exciting to see, yeah, they may not know what we know yet. And they may still have a long way to go when it comes to the business side. But the passion and drive that some of them have is yeah. exceptionally impressive. And so how many... How many chiropractors are you working with through Curry Life? Um, I'm directly coaching about 10, okay. yep. I guess, but um, I'm fairly involved with most of them. Yeah, got Whether it. Whether it just be a, like an advocacy role or a chance for them to have someone to talk to and talk at. At the same time at the moment, uh, from the Syntropy seminar that I saw you at last, yep. um, some of those students really wanted a, just a, a hand. So uh, myself and Oliver Croak have been doing a fortnightly Zoom call for the fifth-year kids that just want to, you know, how do I know if this is a good job? How do I know if this is a good opportunity? Blah, 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 that type of thing. Awesome. So that's been fun as well. And we just started that with 
some of the ACC students as well. And yep. now, as of last night, a few of the New Zealand Chiropractic College students. Fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so we mentioned your chiropractic influences and then along the way you mentioned your dad as a life influence as well. Anybody else who you or anything else that you would say has informed your journey in that regard? Um, well, dad was amazing because he gave me a lot of, you know, old-fashioned wisdom, but also an incredible work ethic. Uh, you know, he, he just worked and worked and worked and worked. Um, I'm very blessed in my family to have a lot of strong influences. You know, my aunt is an incredible woman who went back and did her PhD at like 65. That's awesome. And those sorts of things are, are incredible to have around. Um, but I guess that there's probably three other main things. The first one is, is well, let's lump them together. Cass and Tilly, they're yeah. still my, by far the most important thing in my life. I know a lot of Kairos talk about family first, but they're genuinely, in that case, in my family, that's if they ever need anything, everything else has dropped and that's what happens. And they're both wonderful in their own fabulously special way. Um, but I think a couple of the people that I've just met through sport as a kid was also unbelievably formulative for me. You know, I played reasonably okay water polo back in the day um, and the club that I was involved in then, I'm still involved in now, um, just because they kind of, again, they just formed that work ethic of stop whinging, get on and do the coaches that I had in those days were um, fairly strident and working class and it was it was fairly much just shut the F up and get back in the pool type thing. So, yeah. But yeah. That, that, I think, helped form me into being fairly resilient very early. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Oh, well, that's uh, really interesting. Thanks, Scott. I feel okay. like we've covered some really important grounds there around what it takes to to not just from a theoretical perspective, but a lived experience perspective, what it takes to go from floundering to flourishing and then teasing apart in a disciplined way what the actual steps are there that are, you know, timeless, doesn't matter whether you did it <clears throat> 15, 20 years ago, whether it, it's happening now, that it, it requires sort of focused work and and investing in yourself in terms of developing new understandings and leveling up in that way. And uh, that it requires sort of an immersion that to get things to happen uh, and that it's going to be easier and more enjoyable if you're doing it by creating a, a, a mastermind or a group or a cohort of people who are all thinking along similar lines to mm -hmm both support you, but also to hold you accountable to doing the work that's necessary to get ahead. So I think that's a, a super important message. And I really uh, thank you for taking the time to share that with us. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. And I will just mention one thing, if that's okay. If there are some students on the, on the line listening, that mastermind that we're doing on every second Wednesday night is open to any student, any college, anywhere, and it's no charge. We're just happy to see if we can do something to help. If they yep. want to get a hold of me, just get hold of me on Facebook. It's easy. Okay. But I'm All happy right. to put you in there. All right. So I'll uh, I'll put a link to your Facebook in the show notes so they can just click on that yeah. and be great. In touch with send Scott a message that way. And um, 
you know, when the weather gets a bit warmer, we have to do that coffee tour of Albury Wodonga again. Sound, sounds very good. The Under the Influence tour sounds very good. Oh, that'd be fun. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, then you will love the Mastering Daily Interactions online workshop. It's a three-part online workshop that will show you an exact framework that you can use on every visit to make sure that your patients or clients are getting that drip, drip, drip feed of information that will help them create a greater connection to the understanding at the core of chiropractic. You see, the truth of it is that people change beliefs or learn new beliefs gradually and they learn them based on their experience so you can have the best report of findings in the world but if you don't have that reinforcement over time of a specific efficient structure that allows you to connect and create individualized value on every visit then you're never going to get as good a results so check out the mastering daily interactions website at insideoutpractices.com